Hello and welcome back to Future Cities, the podcast series by global law firm Herbert Smith Freehills. I am Nicholas Carney, partner in our Sydney infrastructure team, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues from our global ESG leadership team, partners Silke Goldberg and Tim Stutt. Welcome to you both. Hi, Nick. Nice to speak to you, even if it's only virtually. Likewise. Thanks. Uh, In episode three today, we'll be discussing ESG trends, that is environmental, social and governance trends, and what it means for cities and what the future of our cities may look like with the ever-transforming ESG landscape as a backdrop. But first, Silke and Tim, it would be great if you could give our listeners a quick overview of your background and how you found yourselves at the helm of the firm's new ESG practice. Silke. Thank you, Nick. So, um, as Nick has said, my name is Silke Goldberg. I'm a partner in the global energy practice of uh, HSF. I have been working in clean energy since the late 1990s and uh, really always have been um, very strongly attracted to topics around clean energy, uh, infrastructure that is necessary for the same, um, as well as uh, issues pertaining to climate change and um, how all of what how that impacts on our way of of living and doing business. I was asked um, in uh, December last year to take the chair of the ESG practice, um, which uh, really reflected, um, I suppose, a a coming together of different strands of ESG and uh, uh, practice areas. um, But it also reflected really that the firm had quite a lot of track record in this area already and uh, together with Tim uh, we've been trying to um, give a bit more focus to to this practice area and take it forwards. Thanks for that that's a that's a really great introduction and and I think that's right that the firm had actually been doing a lot of the the, the areas and working a lot of the things that we'll talk about today um, through different parts of the firm in different offices across different countries and different practice groups and and the ESG practice is really bringing back bringing together that expertise um, un, under that banner. So Tim, how about you? Thanks Nick. I am a regional lead for ESG in Australia, working closely with Silka and then also with our other regional leads for Asia and UK EMEA. I started out as a governance lawyer Uh, back in 2008 amidst the GFC. Um, I've had a couple of detours since then, once to do my MBA, once to work at an investment manager for 18 months. But uh, my specialisation is really focused on governance and corporate law, picking up board advice, corporate policies, market disclosure, corporate reporting, also stakeholder engagement and activism issues. It's from that base that I've really um, built out into broader ESG advisory work. Part of that is looking at the governance of ESG and how organisations understand and respond to ESG risks and opportunities. And part of it is um, coming back to what we were talking about, connecting different ESG subject matter experts, whether that's human rights or corporate crime and investigations or climate, but connecting those people together within the firm to help help our tra- transactional and, and litigation colleagues, and our advisory colleagues, help their clients addressing ESG challenges and ESG opportunities in their businesses. 
Um, that's 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 really interesting, Tim. Thanks for that. Um, you, at the beginning of your introduction, you mentioned the GFC. For for those of you uh, who who don't know that acronym, that's the Global Financial Crisis, um, um, which is what we call it in Australia. But uh, understand in different places they just call it the financial crisis. Um, so if we jump into some of the some of the questions we wanted to touch on today, first thing I want to do is want to focus on defining ESG. Um, so, you know, Tim, what is ESG and why does it matter? ESG is exceptionally broad. It, it picks up the band. I gathered that from uh, from what you and Silka <laughs> just mentioned in your intro. I gathered that it really is broad what it touches on. We uh, we often have conversations with organisations which are new to the ESG journey and, and they ask questions like, we would like an ESG policy. And then when we start to unpack it, uh, you can see in their eyes uh, the, the shock and horror at how broad it can be. Um, the, the banners, environmental, social and governance, pick up a large range of sub topics. So under environment, we have things like climate change, energy efficiency, um, waste reduction, pollution, deforestation. Under social, there's a lot of topics like human rights, modern slavery, ethical sourcing, um, underpayments in industrial relations, health and safety, diversity and inclusion, workplace culture, um, under governance, you sort of have governance of the other two buckets, but there's also quite a lot around um, board oversight, policies, risk management, sometimes remuneration structures, tax transparency, activism. Uh, I think while it is very broad, environmental social governance, actually at the core of it is understanding how organisations have internal and external impacts and helping organisations um, understand those impacts and um, factor those impacts into their activities mm. and their day-to-day life. Yeah, that, that's that's a really that's been really useful for me who 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 doesn't work in the space, but 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 hears a lot about it. Silka, would you add anything to what Tim said? Yeah, maybe just to, to look at what this might mean in the context of cities. So we're discussing cities here. And I think ESG has always been a core element of city planning or city development. I can think of, um, if I look at European cities as an example, so um, I think one of the earliest examples of ESG mattering for or being of relevance for city development was in Rotterdam, the Hochfleet area, which was originally uh, constructed for a large company, um, but which has over time sort of um, been developed in um, a social interaction um, and a much greener area, for instance. And that was um, uh, that initiative was taken in the early 1990s. Mm. Um, 
has been developed over time. I think we have sort of perhaps stuck the label ESG to that, but this really the, the question of how can we make cities more accessible, um, user-friendly, how can we make them sustainable is a core question that has been um, with city planners for a really long time. And therefore, in sort of um, ESG is relevant for design, development, construction, and also use of cities. And we're seeing that debate now almost refreshed and reinforced as part of COVID. We're seeing, for instance, the City of London, the square mile, if you wish, in London, um, committing to net zero and having uh, carbon reduction plans um, or yeah. waste reduction plans. Um, it, we're seeing, for instance, in in Paris, to, to bring another European city example, the redesign of the embankment of the Seine to pedestrianise that area. Um, we're seeing sort of projects to foster greater social inclusion and sort of giving space to people to enjoy their city um, as well. It's not always without controversy, for sure, yeah. um, because every change brings controversy and debate. But ESG, I think, is at the heart of what it means to develop a city. And that, I mean, I would, when you put it like that, I would agree. We, we as you all know, we published a report last year on the future of our cities and the themes that came out of that is um, that, that there needs to be a focus on the sustainability, the resilience um, of our cities, the well-being that, that the cities are producing for citizens and, and whether those um, whether those cities are productive and efficient and, and a lot of those themes interplay really, really well with, um, with ESG. So, um, that's um, yeah, that, that that's really interesting. So, following on from that, um, how would you say that COVID nineteen has changed the ESG landscape for cities, Tim? I think initially um, there was a feeling that COVID may be a setback. Going into the pandemic, there had been quite a bit of momentum around ESG generally and ESG for cities and, and in the context of the pandemic um, there was a concern that actually uh, the financial impact of the pandemic and the social impact of the pandemic may set set cities and organisations back on their ESG path but actually interestingly that didn't eventuate and if anything it shone a bigger focus on ESG and accelerated progress in the area. Yep. I think it... it Why? In, Why do you think that happened? I think essentially the pandemic is a social issue. So it really shone a focus on things like health, like a, a quality. Um, and in that context, cities actually have a really large role as the places where people live, work, recreate um it also was a challenge to the way that things had previously been done or that there was new thinking about work practices there was impacts on transportation with lockdowns in various places there's been changes also to the way people commute to work and there's been a lot of flow on um impacts of that nature, which have challenged some of the historical ways that we've done things. The sort of third limb to the acceleration, I think, too, is um, the significant amount of um, uh, infrastructure spending 
which is going into the recovery and the desire to build back better. Yep. Do you yeah. do you Silka have any perspectives on on that that point? I think the build back better sort of slogan I don't know where it came from it sort of I first saw it in a UK newspaper at some point is really strong so we have seen um, really a change sort of Tim has alluded to it a change of our whole way of life and um, unfortunately what we've also seen is that um, COVID-19 um, has struck especially hard in um, socially disadvantaged areas in cities at least in the UK that has been the case and so um, there is a desire to to turn this around and uh, to help communities by greater investment um, and because the way that we have started to use the space in the city and the space where sort of around where we live has really changed been changed quite dramatically by COVID. We've seen this in the form partially in uh, let's say in a number of ways in terms of infrastructure um, we've seen more emphasis on um, outdoor the use of outdoor spaces in cities yep. now in some areas that's not always possible because it's a very densely built up area yeah. um, but um, there's a strive and a move towards sort of having more green in the city there's also um, a thought about how do we want to move in the city? So, for instance, we've talked about infrastructure a little bit. So um, uh, be mobility in the city must mean public transport. It must mean perhaps also in future uh, public uh, electricity, electric vehicle charging points. And there we see a lot of investment in this particular area. Um, so we also see cities committing to carbon reduction. Um, and when cities commit to carbon and, uh, reduction, that needs to be followed up by the appropriate investment to make that happen, if that is sort of to mean anything concrete. And I think, um, if anything, COVID-19 has been accelerator here. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's really interesting because I do remember reading some articles at the time Um you know, early on in COVID, that seemed to seemed to think that everyone would just focus on COVID and um, and that ESG broader ESG trends would 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 be less of a priority. But I I would agree with you both that um, that 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 hasn't been the case. So I I work in the infrastructure space in Australia, and there's you know that there is first of all a lot of infrastructure activity, but second of all there is there is a lot of focus on um on on you know sustainability um um you know resilient infrastructure um but also to your point silka on well-being um and the you know green spaces and and active spaces and the importance of those so um that's been the case really one one question i i would ask i've had a few people um I've had I had somebody put a comment to me the other day, which is, do you worry, Nick, that the vaccine, that the, the ability of us to come up with a vaccine so quickly in response to the virus is going to make people think that um, action on climate change can be solved with some technological solution that can can save us um, um, when we you know when we need it. I, Silka, do you have a perspective on that? Um, 
Technolo technological change is part of climate change. So I've mentioned electric vehicles, um, which is part of the transformation in the, in particularly in the inner city transport sector for sure. Or we've seen the uh, the arrival of hydrogen fuel buses, um, which uh, is something that is certainly also technological change in that sense. But I don't think there is a silver bullet. So um, carbon reduction programs must be multifaceted. There's not a single thing. There is not a vaccine against climate change, I'm afraid. So therefore, um, it will by necessity have multidisciplinary, multi-level um, inputs from different parts of the cities. And actually, um, this is best embodied by the response of the C40 city. So the C40s coalition is a coalition of international sort of, of cities internationally and mayors, and they have identified collectively a number of key actions that are, in their view, critical to achieve a green and just recovery. And this is not just about the, the um, recovery from COVID-19, but this is how to tackle the aftermath of COVID-19, how to tackle climate change and how to make cities more resilient. So the C40 mayors um, have uh, joined forces and pledged that they will um, take action to create jobs and an inclusive economy, um, all, all the while tackling the aftermath of COVID and, and also, of course, climate change, to create greener jobs, to support and help essential workers. So we've all seen in, in COVID-19 how important, um, for instance, in, in the UK, NHS workers are for the resilience of public health and um, in order to combat COVID-19, but also to train and upskill workers and um, uh, to also make available fundamental public services uh, such as clean water, food, sanitation and affordable and healthy housing. All of these facets are in and of themselves, quite big and sort of a quite big commitment. And um, but this is all reflected in the statement by the C40 mayors. And I think there's quite a lot um, of well, there's, there's this whole program in and of itself to analyse um, what what uh, they have, um, what the C40 city um, group has done. I, I do kind of wish, though, there was a vaccine for climate change. <laughs> yes. Looking back, that would be a very nice outcome. But yes, unfortunately, it's going to be a bit more complex than that. Uh, well, that, thank you for that. That's that's um, that, it's a big question, obviously. So there's a lot uh, uh, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, Silke, you have mentioned, and 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 Tim, you have mentioned some examples of things that cities are um, doing you know, to lead the way on on, on, um, on ESG. I wondered, are there any examples, you know, additional examples you'd like to speak to of, yeah, of, of cities that you think are leading the way or things that cities could do to to support ESG? Chairman, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I, I always um, think about my own back, backyard with questions like this, and I think... Looking at Sydney, it's done quite a bit across both, well, all three aspects of E, S and G. They have a um, sustainable Sydney 2030 strategy, which actually came into being a few years ago, but it, it picks up elements of E, S and G, not through that framework, but under environment, there's a focus around planning and design 
Um, and also a focus actually on uh, climate action and commitment to climate action. So Sydney is is a city which has uh, pledged net zero. I think I think by 2035 is. So that's our that's the city of Sydney, isn't it? You're talking city about the, the which is the the sort of local council level um, yes. in our in our system. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's also been quite a focus on. Um, some of the S factors around social housing, um, a, a quality of access. Um, so really focused at issues around enhancing the quality of people's lives. Uh, yeah. And then there's also been uh, a big focus, not just City of Sydney, but broader than that, um, around governance and um, governance in delivering some of these outcomes in other areas as well. So um, proper proper use of resources, allocation of responsibilities, um, enhancing the performance of, of um, local governments um, has been quite a big topic uh, as well. And I think under that type of strategy, you can actually see some fairly innovative approaches being taken. Um, certainly in some of the development which there has been in the um, the sort of greater Sydney area, particularly developments like Barangaroo, where they've had some very innovative waste reduction um, projects. There's one which fascinates me greatly. They have a shipping container of... Um, fly larvae so maggots underneath one of the uh one of the towers in barangaroo and what they do is they take the trash from the the different building um the building towers and they take it down there to be processed by the maggots which essentially eat it yeah um, which is fascinating to me um you can read about it online but um things like that I think are uh, a good example of the developers, the local council or the local government, uh, and and innovation uh, and and investor support coming together to to produce good ESG outcomes. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. no, that is a good example. I will say sidebar before I uh, get Silka's perspective that last year during the lockdown that Sydney had, we didn't have a long lockdown, but we had a relatively uh we still we did have a lockdown for a little while my wife and I were eating a lot of uber eats um and we're obviously at home all the time and we were producing a lot of a lot of rubbish and as the nominated bin man and bin person in our house I was quite conscious of this and so I got us a worm farm so we we have a worm farm that I am uh I'm a worm farmer and uh my, my daughter Harriet and I do that um every couple of days not quite Fly larvae, larvae, but uh, but yeah. Um, Silke, did you have any uh, any any further examples around how cities are leading the way or can lead the way? Yeah, sort of sort of maybe two or three examples from quite different parts of the world. So, um, I know I've mentioned sort of uh, climate change and carbon reduction a few times, but this is because um, Glasgow 
in uh, the UK is hosting the COP26, so the World Summit on Climate Change. Um, and naturally, that has sort of brought some impetus in um, UK discussions around um, ESG. And they were sort of recently, the Corporation of London, so the City of London, sort of the square mile, if you wish, um, has done a survey of, of investors. And they said London is really sort of... Uh, 66% said London is world leading or one of the best cities in the world for tackling sustainability, social and governance issues, mm. um, th th which is um, yeah. uh, quite impressive because this was not just local investors. This was investors from North America, Europe, Asia, the Asia Pacific, the Middle East, as well as um, Latin America. Yeah, the so, vote of confidence. Yeah. Yes. Um, and um uh, which is quite interesting because on the back of that, that is a really big mandate as well to go and build back better and taking a leadership in ESG from a London, as, it is, as, as London Corporation. So London Corporation has said they want to achieve net zero from its own operations by 2027. So that's quite a lot earlier, sort of the big political statements we yeah. hear at the moment, which is 2030, 40, 50 or something like that. They also want to achieve net zero carbon emissions across the City of London's investments and supply chain by 2040, so a bit longer. But this is interesting because it looks down the supply chain. Yeah. And um, overall, support the achievement of net zero in the square mile. So this is including law firms. Everybody who works in the square mile by 2040 needs to achieve or should achieve 2040, according to the Corporation of London. Another example sort of um, is the city. That's of a great Boston. example. I mean, that, that's a really great example. But yeah, Boston. Oh, Boston. So it has uh, said they want to commit an additional 50 million dollar US dollars towards its ESG governance investment initiative. And they want to do that by issuing a particular type of short term securities um, sort of bonds and notes um, of companies that maintain strong ESG corporate practices. So this is an ESG investment initiative that um, Mayor Walsh uh, has launched, launched last year. And um, this is a really strong example of um, a city-driven investment policy. Finally, last example, a completely different example, Reykjavik in Iceland. Iceland has uh, something called the uh, 2010 to 2030 Reykjavik Municipal Plan. And this in this municipal building plan, for the first time, they have made sustainable planning part and parcel of their municipal uh, planning decision. Right. So they have a sort of a step plan for densifying urban areas, so not to build out too far into, into yeah. green landscape. Um, they have a plan uh, to change people's travel habits, and it's mm. all very transparent and open to see. So three very different initiatives, all driven by the desire to change and incorporate ESG criteria into city life. It, it's um, what the sense that I'm getting is, is that, you know, cities really are embracing ESG um, um, in, in those examples you've given. Um, and that's that's interesting, and and I it's it's a, it would be a really big topic, and perhaps we don't go into it. But some of the um, some of the pushback around climate change and sustainability that happens um, in at a national level um, demonstrates a divide between urban and regional 
or urban and rural areas where there seem to be different perspectives, but there, there definitely seems to be more support for green and and uh, sustainable initiatives in cities than than perhaps in some other parts of um, of of countries, which is it seems to be consistent with with the examples and the outcomes that you you're both talking about today. Um, perhaps if we go to um, another question, and that is. Um, are smart cities the answer for achieving ESG goals? Um, I don't know if if uh, you guys have any perspectives on that. Depends what you mean by smart city. So in sort of, um, and I think this is probably sort of um, a little bit of a slogan, but I think smart cities, if that means city planning is holistic, interconnected. So let's say there's a holistic transport concept for um, uh, for a particular city that encourages, I don't know, um, bike borrowing schemes near the station. If there's a proper bus network, that then sort of means that from the central station, you can go out to the, to the suburbs, for instance, that's all interconnected, for instance. Um, or um, you have smart supply chains that all um, have ESG as an integrated factor. Absolutely, then smart city is a part of that. But um, it really depends how that sort of smart city that a smart element is filled with life, and they, I can imagine sort of a number of different models in that context. No, I, I think I think that's I think that's right. I think there are different perceptions of what a smart city is, but but doing things in a smarter, cleverer way um, definitely seems to relate to these topics, these ESG topics. Um, perhaps one final question for you both, um, and that that's. Um, and I'll make us perhaps I'll frame it as a statement, and and that is that there's a lot of evidence out there that suggests that companies that take their ESG responsibilities seriously perform better financially than those that don't. And so I suppose the question is, could the same be said for the performance of cities? Tim, do you have a perspective on that? I do. Uh, I think the answer is yes. By by definition, they will be more sustainable and more livable cities and they'll better reflect the environmental and social context um, of the people who, who live there, who work there. Um, and I think that will flow on to other things such as being able to better attract and retain residents and businesses um, and, and could flow to things like um, innovation clusters and that and smart planning and things like that, which can be virtuous um, virtuous cycles in a way. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah, no, that that um, that, that makes sense. So I, I guess for both of you, are there any thoughts you have before we close on um, insights or thoughts on future ESG trends and 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 um, anything you, you think we should keep an eye out for, our listeners should keep an eye out for? Silker or Tim? I think we only at the, sorry, Tim, you go first. I was just going to say Silka's looking very pensive, so maybe I should jump in, but you go, please. Yeah, no, 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 go, go, go. So if we be doing the English thing, though, you go first, you go first. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. You go first, Tim. <laughs> Doesn't work with Australians, they just go. Yeah. No, we'll just butt in. Um, I think one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is that ESG is very broad and sometimes there can be 
trade-offs and tensions in mm. amongst the different considerations. And there can also be um, issues around not just where we're going, but how we get there. So what we're seeing a lot of um, organisations focus on at the moment is not just um, ESG outcomes in an absolute sense, but factoring ESG into the way that they do things, whether that is procurement processes, development, um, even to raw materials, things like green steel and, and greening concrete. Um, I think there is a big focus on starting to bring ESG through to the how how we're doing things, not just um, the overall direction. So embedding it, kind of embedding it in, in everything they do. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And ESG is a real the start of a really sort of push for ESG. As I said at the beginning, ESG has always been a feature of some kind in city planning and in the way we live in, sort of where we live and uh, shape our cities. But I think the ESG is a broad end. But sort of the various elements of ESG will have, I think, an ever greater impact on how cities are shaped and used and developed. Um, and also, as I said, in relation, for instance, to the Paris example, to pedestrianise the embankment of the Seine, it's not always without controversy. I think this is a journey. And I think city planners and city councils need to take people with them on that journey. So convince um, and to make the case for it. And to, I think this uh, is a really exciting time to, to do that. I, I I wholly wholeheartedly agree. It's probably thank you, and 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 um, this has been terrific. We're we're going to wind up very very shortly. It's probably three takeaways for me as someone who doesn't operate or doesn't doesn't sit in the ESG space, but but sort of observes it and has learned a lot about it today. And that is that ESG in many respects has always been a part of of of, of well run cities. So it's to, to Silka's point. Um, I'd also say probably an observation from me is that in the in the sort of um, post-COVID world, um, sustainable, um, you know, environmentally conscious um, and well-governed cities are more important than ever. I think, um, and that's a realization from from the last 15 months. And then um, and then the third point is the point that um, COVID has changed. Um, has changed the way we do a lot of things, and then that fact that we have changed gives us an opportunity to 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 rethink how we've done things for a very 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 long period of time. So there's an opportunity there. So they're, they're the big three takeaways from me. So thank you to you both um, for taking the time out of your busy schedules to bring our listeners some um, some some really interesting perspectives around ESG. So to our listeners out there, feel free to visit the firm's Future Cities Hub. Um, at www.herbertsmithfreehills.com slash futurecities and explore all the great content from our global initiative. Um, please um, feel free to contact uh, myself, Tim or Silka with any feedback, questions or suggestions um, about today's podcast or about any future podcast that you would like to see. So thanks very much, Tim and Silka. Have a, have a good night, Tim, and a good day, Silka. Thank Thanks, you very Nick. much, Nick. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.
You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.